You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by Gia Decadene. So I was connected to Gia by friend of the show, Tonya Todd. She's obviously been on Genuine Chit Chat numerous times before, and we've done lots of other collaborations as well. I have put a note in the description of the prior episodes that she was on. But Gia is an incredible individual in herself. She's an author, she's a teacher, and she's also bilingual. So she actually moved over to France after living in America for the first portion of her life. And that's what our conversation kind of focuses on. So just to add a little bit more detail, Gia explains like why she's always had a love of France, why she ended up staying over there after going there for like a trip and things, and sort of what the differences are between France and the US and things like that. Talk about food and drink a little bit, and then the second half of the conversation more so goes on to Gia's book. Her book is called Getting His Game Back, and she explains the premise, the themes, and the characters a little bit in this conversation, and also why she decided to write it, what her writing process is, uh, what the next book she's got coming out planned, as well as the future in general for her books. So this is a mix of things for you individuals listening of if you're a traveller or interested in travel, uh, or have a specific interest in France, and or have an interest in writing or writers, then this is definitely going to be a podcast you're going to enjoy. I won't waffle on here too much longer, but I will say that Gia's website is in the description, as well as links to her social media as well. And if you go on our website, it's got all the information you'll need about her books and that sort of thing. But that is going to be it for me guys here at the start. I'll be back at the end of this conversation to give you guys some more information on what's coming up and some other bits and pieces as well. So uh, without further ado, I give you Gia Decadene. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And here we are once again. So I have got a wonderful guest for you lovely listeners. And this individual actually is connected to me via Tonya Todd, who is a friend of the show. Uh, she's been on the show many a times. And so I'm here with a new individual. And this is uh, Gia de Cadenet. And I'm probably pronouncing that terribly, as we already spoke about how to pronounce it before I press record. <laughs> but still, I tried. Um, so, Gia, would you be able to introduce yourself of just, um, well, you're, you're a writer and things, if you want to tell people as much or as little about yourself uh, to begin with, and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. So, uh, I'm Gia DeCadney, as you said. Uh, I am an American living in Paris. I've been in France for um, a little over 15 years now. Uh, uh, my first book has just come out from Penguin Random House. It's called Getting His Game Back. What else can I say? I am an English teacher and, uh, I'm uh, married to a Frenchman and I've got two kids. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, I mean, that is quite interesting. I was going to say that's an interesting (laughs) thing in itself, but sorry, I assume you were going to mention about the, the second upcoming book as well. Uh, yes, my second book called Not the Plan will come out in 2023. Absolutely. So you're already an accomplished author, and obviously you can speak more than one language, which in itself is an incredible feat. Um, and you're an American, you were from America, and you're now living in France and things, which is something that, to my knowledge, not that many. Americans do. I mean, it's uh, that might just be a stereotype in my view, obviously, where I'm from England. Generally speaking, a lot of the English speakers living in France, from my knowledge, are generally English or sort of that sort of era, era, that sort of area. 
So speaking of that, if we just kind of get into the start of things, obviously I listened to you on a different podcast to kind of go through this story and things, but I thought it was so brilliant. I want uh, people to listen to you say it on my show, poaching that idea. <laughs> um, so uh, you you started young and you already had this, um, for lack of a better term, romanticized view of France and it's always intrigued you. What as a child and as you were younger intrigued you about France and then how did you get there essentially? I don't know uh, exactly why, um, but when I was seven years old, I had my first French class, and I don't know if it was just a great teacher because great teachers inspired our students, or if it was the language itself, but I fell in love with France, mm. and um, I did not shut up <laughs> about coming to France um, until I finally got the chance when I was 21 and my parents were like, please, for the love of God, go. Uh, we cannot take it anymore. Go. So I came here. I came to Paris um, for six weeks uh, to study French, uh, intensive study. And um, I absolutely loved it and absolutely hated it. It was the worst experience of my life. Um, and so I went back to Florida and originally from Florida, I went back to Florida. Uh, and um, so I was 21, finished my undergrad. I said, okay, I did that. I can move on with my life. <laughs> I got a job in politics because I was, um, I was at Florida State University, mm -hmm. uh, which is in Tallahassee, the capital. So I got a job in politics and I loved my job and everything was going great. Um, but I still, it, this like inkling came back, this like small desire to go back to, to Paris and uh, live there for at least a year. But I was like, no, 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 I already did that. That's done. Uh, but it kept growing and growing and growing, this desire to go back. And um, but things in my life were like coming together. And then I realized, wait a minute, and my job is great. The next thing is I could end up meeting somebody and getting married. And what if I end up having this like regret that I didn't go back to France? What if I end up like I wake up one day and I'm married and I have kids and I look at my family and I feel like they kept me from this dream. Mm. So I said, all right, I better do this. And I'd also always had a dream to get my master's degree. Oddly enough, I didn't really care about the subject, <laughs> but um, I was one of the master's degrees. So I found an American school because even though I had studied French for a long time, I didn't feel like my French was strong enough to get a master's degree uh, in French. Mm. Um, so I found an American school, um, in, uh, and, and, uh, with a degree in political science with the idea to go get my master's and then come back and go, you know, my boss is going to hold my job for me. Um, go get this master's, live in Paris for two years, get it out of my system <laughs> and come back. So I got here in mid-September and six weeks after I, oh, oh, it's important to say, I got here and everything went south. Mm. Everything went wrong. Um, I had had a job set up as an au pair 
And the family turned out to be completely insane. <laughs> um, to the point that I had to run away. Um, and uh, if you are a foreigner, uh, a foreign student, finding an apartment, a place to live is a nightmare. It's practically mm. impossible if you don't have someone in the country who can essentially be like your, um, this, the phrase is to sign for you to like be like your, your reference. Yeah. To, who, not just a reference, but willing to pay your rent. If oh, you don't pay. like a dependent almost, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, you like, and, and, um, people who rent the apartments out look at you like you have six heads if you don't have someone who's willing to do that. They're like, how is it possible that you don't? You're like, well, I, 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 I don't have, and even to the point you're like, I will pay, you know, an extra deposit. They're like, I don't want your extra deposit. I want someone who's going to pay the entire rent for the whole year if you can't. What do you mean you don't have someone to do that? So I ended up renting. And of course, my mother is in America losing her mind. Um, you know, because I'm on the other side of the ocean with nowhere to live. Um, but, uh, and just, just, you know, to add an extra layer of fun, I brought my dog with me. Um, <laughs> not a big dog, but I brought my dog with me. So that made it even easier to find places to live. So I ended up renting a vacation apartment. Um, so that's even more expensive. And, um, so, uh, and, and like I said, I went to Florida State University, which is a huge American football school, like it's a religion. Uh, and so I finally got this apartment. Everything's finally settled. I turned on the TV on Saturday night and like I'm sitting there, I can breathe. And there's this game on the TV that looks like American football. <laughs> But these men are insane because they have no protection on. <laughs> They're wearing no pads and they are plowing and no helmets and they are plowing into each other like maniacs. And I'm like, what is this madness? So I'm sitting there with my dog. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> and the apartment happened to be just around the corner from a pub that I had gone to when I first came to France mm. and an English pub. And I said, okay, so I can either sit here with my dog wondering what this insanity is on the TV, or I can go around the corner to the English pub and I can find someone to explain this game to me. So I run around the corner and it's so funny <laughs> in later years when I would tell this story, um, I remember one time I told the story and there was this girl who said, how could you go to a pub by yourself as a woman? And I said, I crossed an ocean by myself as a woman. <laughs> I think I can go to a pub. Um, <laughs> not that, you know, uh, you, if you're a woman and you're by yourself and you're going to go to a pub, go to the bar and like make sure the bartender knows you're by yourself. Like there's safety measures you can put into place. But so I go to this pub and I did not realize that the match that I was watching, um, I didn't know that it was between France and New Zealand and that this was a big match. So I walk into this pub and it's packed and I kind of had a moment of like, Oh wow. Okay. A little intimidation, but so I 
went to the bar and there was a female bartender and we get to talking a little bit. And, um, so I do, and there's an older man, an older gentleman next to me. And so I, so, you know, I don't, I start talking to him and he's kind of explaining, but then there's a younger man next to me on the other side and he doesn't agree with the way the older gentleman is explaining the rules. So he is explaining, you know, um, and because the older gentleman was French and the younger gentleman was from New Zealand. Um, so I'm having a good time. And then the match ends and um, they start playing suavemente, which is hilarious because I used to dance salsa in Florida. And I'm like, what are the odds that they're playing suavemente? And the next thing I know I am dancing with somebody and it literally, and, and dancing salsa, um, someone has grabbed me and started dancing with me and he has red hair. Uh, and then people are moving tables out of the way to make a dance floor. And the person is spinning me um, and dipping me and his glasses go flying off at one point. Um, and then at the end of the song, people applaud. And I try to ask him his name. No, then we, we, we get to talking and he's speaking with this very heavy British accent. And I have, and, laughing and getting to, and then when I ask him his name, I can't understand what he's saying to the point that I have to ask him for identification. <laughs> and when I, he shows me his identification, it's a French ID card. And I say, you're French. And he's like, is that a problem? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he has very red hair and a red beard. And we're in an English pub and he's speaking with this very British accent. I'm sorry. Uh, with the clues I had, I didn't realize it would be different. <laughs> so that's that's how I met my husband. Amazing. It's it is one of those stories because I know that when you said uh, in the podcast uh, "Romance in Color," which is where I heard the story first, you said like it sounds like like if someone said this to you, it sounds made up, but it's not. And that's yeah. that's that's a really beautiful thing. It was also that you've had this, um, like I I call it like the pull p u l l. I pronounce the word pull terribly, like without the u. I don't know what it is about me. People say I'm fairly well spoken, apart from being a southern British man who can't pronounce his t's in Harry Potter and water. You know, <laughs> aside from that, like the word pull eludes me and it makes it sound like I'm saying something very weird. But I describe it as like a, a the pull is when I started doing podcasting, something just felt write about it. It's something when I met um my girlfriend Megan, who I've been with for four years, I don't know, everything and pop three and a half to four years now. We're buying a house together and stuff like that. Like when I met her, I I could tell there was just something about it. And when I get people who are either musicians or authors or just people who tell me some of these stories of theirs which are really interesting. And they were just like, I don't know what it was something was just pulling me to this thing and i just went for it and obviously the interesting part with your story is that you went to france and you know by your own admission it the first time those first six weeks didn't necessarily do for you what you thought they would and then you go back and then you're like, right, i need to go back and properly experience france two years you know and then 
just these peculiar events like the chances of you flicking the tv on at that time and seeing a game of which i presume is rugby um yes. and <laughs> and uh, seeing that and then thinking instead of i'm gonna stay in tonight just thinking i'm gonna go out and all these weird things that are very uh improbable connecting together which is now your life <laughs> it's 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 the only thing really in that regard so yeah. i just think it's it's such a special story and uh as the reason i wanted my audience to hear it firsthand from you as well rather than me <laughs> haphazardly trying to tell people when i record the intro for this and messing up so thank you so much for sharing that like from from that moment with you like how how long did you say you'd been in france the second time at that point of meeting your now husband six weeks hmm. so you'd been there the amount of time you'd spent there prior oh that's true yeah i never thought of that yeah. wow that's an interesting parallel. And actually, like- he had been. What's funny is that he had. We missed each other in two thousand one mm. in Paris by two weeks. Wow. Because I had I had come for that summer, he was in Bordeaux, um, and then he came up to Paris to study two weeks after I left. Wow, that's mad. And so, sort of thinking with those elements and things, when you were in France, one thing I'm intrigued by is sort of uh, the the language itself of France. Like we'll, we'll get into your book and things in a moment, which obviously uh, a lot of its theme is heavily connected to your relationship, uh, well, now your marriage. Um, so, when you went to France, either the first or second times, like, did you find it was difficult for you obviously there's the job intricacies and the sort of other big glaring issues but down to sort of more a cultural and also a language level like um megan my uh, girlfriend she lived in france for six months and she also lived in spain for six months and she loved it in spain she was not a fan of it in france uh she said that she just didn't managed to connect with many people when she was over there and although she could speak french she found it hard to connect with other individuals i'm just intrigued that your experience of france in those first six weeks you were there the first time and then the second time you were there especially the six weeks as well were the difficulties do you did you find that the difficulties were there partly because of was it partially language or was it the french culture or or were there other elements of things that made you not specifically comfortable from the get-go if you know what i mean a big part of the problem the first time um, was in America, when you are studying French, um, there's this big uh, push, uh, this big idea that our cultures are very similar. Mm. Um, the whole concept of the Enlightenment, um, that we have this shared history, this shared political ideal. Um, and that we, we are different. Yes. But that uh, at, at the base of things, we're very similar. And it's a lie. <laughs> it is a lie, a lie, a lie. <laughs> we are intensely different. So when you have this in mind and you get here, the culture shock is violent. <laughs> so the, the thing that was happening in the first three weeks, when I came in 2001 is that I was stuffing down this culture shock and blaming myself for, for, for not fitting in or not. I, I wasn't accepting that. And it just came to a head. And also I was, I was struggling with the language. 
because my my level just wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. So um, and also because I was in Paris and, you know, you go to any major city. Uh, it's very difficult if you're not if you're not from a major city. I wasn't from a major city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you go to, to New York, you go to it, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, when we visited outside of major cities, it was much easier to understand people. So it's different. But once you kind of get over that that experience of expecting the cultures to be so similar, once you begin to understand the differences, like I've said to my husband, you know, even after the first five, 10 years here, there are layers of cultural differences, like an onion that I'm constantly peeling back. So once you pass that, then, you know, you can appreciate it. And just political, the way that you do politics is different. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's, once you come to terms with those things, then, you know, you can, but it's taken me, it's taken me 15 years to, and there's things that, and even now I just accept, I'm a French citizen now. And, uh, I, I, but I will never, for example, I, I, I vote in things, but I, I will never get into political discussions with people except really my, my close in-laws mm. because, uh, I, I will forever be a guest in this country. I don't care. I, I will live here probably the rest of my life, but I will never feel like I can critique things entirely because I will always be a guest. It's a very interesting way of putting it. And it's obviously being very respectful of, of another culture and things, which I think many people from both the USA and from England could learn a lot from, uh, which would be nice. Um, but so what are the elements of France that you really, um, really kept you there obviously meeting your now husband i assume that was quite like the the catalyst you're like oh this person's cool let's hang out with them and did did he kind of help show you for lack of a better word the cooler parts of france like the parts that were a bit less intimidating and things like how was the integration when you were there the second time after meeting uh, your husband well i'll be perfectly honest one thing that definitely keeps me here is the healthcare system (laughs) um and the concept of vacation, you know, as an American, we don't do that. Mm. <laughs> that. That was one of the most baffling things I found when I speak to some of my American friends, where it's like, oh, vacation. What's so you're saying? You can be hired by someone and they don't have to give you vacation. That's not legal. Oh, no. I'm sorry. What did you just say? And it's like, oh, and if, if they give it to you, you know, like 10 days, 14 at max, if you're lucky. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you just say less than three weeks off in a whole year if you are lucky and that's not guaranteed and you don't have free healthcare? What is happening here? <laughs> so as a British person, I completely understand those elements. But sorry, please continue. Yeah, no, yeah I will. I will never go back to that. But no, no. Uh so, so that, I mean, really what it comes down to is quality of life, mm. quality of life. But the flip side of that is the difficulty in finding employment because it's difficult to be, you know, France has an, has an issue with um, employment for a lot of people. But I, um, I would not have been able to, to write my books uh, in, you know, in, in the United States really too complicated but i mean really seriously it comes down to 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 quality of life but and we knew um for example uh we had a civil union Hmm. uh when i finished my my degree because we weren't sure we weren't sure if we were ready to get married but the civil union allowed me to stay 
because hmm. um, we, we didn't want to go straight to marriage. So the union allowed me to stay and be able to work. And, um, and then we could decide um, what we we're going to do. And his job situation was better because we weren't sure if we moved to the States, if he would be able to find as secure of employment. Hmm. So it made more sense for us to be here. Um, and then after that, it just made more sense for us to, to stay because it was in 2008. And with the economic crisis, mm-hmm. leaving security that we had here to go there, it makes sense. And, um, not really, really questions of quality of life issues. It's what mm. it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. One of the things whenever I speak to uh, our friends over in America, any of them, I'm just always like, look, we're getting a house this year. If you need, if you want to stay over here in the UK, you want to come over, get free healthcare, get, you know, (laughs) minimum 22 vacation days for 40 hours a week job. If you want to do that, we've got a spare room in the house. Just come live with us for a while. Find yourself a job, (laughs) get on your feet. We just want to bring all our American friends over here. You know, what? So you, what your maternity leave situation is horrendous. Well, here you get like six to nine months as a standard. It's, It's all these little things. And I know that a lot of places in Europe are similar to the UK. Some are much better in certain ways. Some are in certain elements worse. Uh, with France's system specifically, I don't know a huge amount about it. Obviously, as you've described, I think I think most places in Europe have the vague kind of baseline of, of similar mm-hmm. levels of things, um, which is great. But so with, with the French culture, so what are the things about it that you you specifically enjoy about not only when you were first exploring France and things in that sort of the the two years before you knew it was a permanent thing and to now, like what are some of the things that you, you love about living in France? Aside from obviously the quality of life's great, but I'm sure there are other elements of things. Like for example, whenever I go to France, their food is amazing. Mainly the yes. baked goods. I love the bakery. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. My, uh, my husband's family, we're, uh, we're eaters, eaters mm. and drinkers. Um, <laughs> My husband um, started from the very beginning, Champagne Fridays. Mm. It's always Champagne on Fridays. And when he first brought Champagne to my apartment, like the first time, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, it's Friday. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> so there's, there's there's Champagne on Friday. Um, um, uh, there, you know... When my father came to visit for the first time, my father-in-law almost killed him uh, with the food and the the drink, the alcohol. I don't say alcohol like that, but the number of bottles of wine (laughs) and aperitif after. And my father pulled me. We were at my in-law's house in Bordeaux. My father pulled me aside in the living room um, when my my father-in-law was bringing out... um, you know, um, cocktail beverages before the meal. And my dad goes, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I was like, you, I told you, I told you to practice before you came. He's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> He's just, I said, my father-in-law is just really excited to, to, that you're here. He's like, but I can't. I can't keep eating a drink. <laughs> And by the end of his trip, he was just on salads. We went to like we went to one restaurant for lunch, another restaurant for dinner. And the waiter was, turned to my dad and he said, "What would you like?" And my dad goes, "I need a salad." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, do you want the salad with the um, 
what do you call it? The maigre de canard, the, the duck, the roasted duck pieces in it and the foie gras on the side. And my dad's like, that's not a salad. <laughs> my dad goes, green leaves, green <laughs> leaves, just green leaves. And the waiter said, well, do you want it with, you know, the, the, the balsamic vinaigrette or do you want it with the creamier sauce? My dad's like, green leaves. <laughs> brings him just the you know just that and my father-in-law's like he did not understand you he cannot just give you that only that <laughs> and dad goes please 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 i can't take anymore so but you know that's every time my dad comes to visit that's what happens they try to kill him with food um but um yeah that's uh that's it's the food it's the food <laughs> That's amazing because whenever um, me and Megan go to see her family, well, her, the dad's her dad is in uh, Italy. Her mum lives over here, and so it's her dad's side. They're Italian, and um, they are they're from the north of Italy. And whenever I've spoken to other Italians, they're like, "Oh, the drinkers." It's like I, I jokingly call them mountain folk because they are the palest Italians you've ever seen. <laughs> it's just like you think, "Oh, Italians, oh, you've got quite nice complexion." No, they live in the mountains. It's as bad as weather is in England, so it's just the same. And you go over there. And the amount they drink, but not in a... It's not like everyone in Italy or France is drunk all the time. That's not it. It's just the culture. And it's like, okay, yeah, we'll go out. Uh, we'll go have a coffee, maybe have a glass of wine. with it. Okay, fair enough. I'll, and we'll go home. Uh, we'll have, you know, a few snacks before uh, dinner. And we'll have a glass of wine with that as well. Okay, that's fine. Oh, and then after the snacks, we'll have another glass of wine. Oh, and a coffee. Uh, what coffee is that today? Oh, that's my fourth coffee of the day. Oh, what? Oh okay. Goodness. And it's that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you have the starter thing for Italy. And it's loads of cold meats and loads of bread and stuff. You're like, this is amazing. Great. And then they're like, oh, yeah, the starter's coming soon. And I'm so, and you're like, what? I'm so full up on bread and meat. What's happening? And by like the second or third course, you're like, I've drank so much alcohol. I've drank so much coffee. I'm kind of buzzing from the coffee. I'm a little bit drunk. I'm so full up because all the bread. And they're like, you haven't even had your main course yet. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful, but it's also scary. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. I love, I love places in Europe. It's, it's one of those great things. So I actually want to ask, have you? Before, when you went to France, was that the first time you traveled outside of the United States? Um, I'd say yes and no, because I really don't feel like traveling to the Bahamas is outside of the United <laughs> States. Because you're like, just next door. <laughs> you <know>, <laughs> barely went anywhere. But I say that also because growing up, we moved uh, all over. We moved to a lot of states within the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like in terms of distance, the Bahamas is not really outside. Mm. So. And, th and then since moving to France, have you um, either with just your husband or as a family, have you guys traveled sort of to, to Europe a bit or anything sort of uh, in the nearby regions and things? Not a whole lot. Um, went to Rome, um, Brussels. Hmm. And as ridiculous as this is, um, I've only been to Manchester through Manchester. I haven't hmm. even been to London, which wow. is ridiculous because I have a childhood friend who lives there. Um, but I, um, we went through Manchester to go to Florida once to see my family. Um, and that was, but that, that I will never do that again. I was trying to be as frugal as possible. And we took a, uh, trip with Tom, uh, a flight with Thomas Cook. Mm. 
that will, no. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by Thomas Kirkham. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of ways, uh, especially I know in the UK, you can travel cheaper. Um, one of the people that a lot of people in the UK will know about is something called the Mega Bus. It's about £2, and you can sit on a bus and go almost anywhere. The problem is, is anywhere that you want to go is normally about six or seven hours away. And because it's £2 for a bus seat, it is the tiniest, least comfortable seat on the whole planet with no facilities. So it's like, no, I'd rather just spend money and, you know, not be trapped somewhere. So. Yeah. And planes can be a lot like that too. Um, but so I, I want to ask you sort of about um, your book in itself, because uh, that's one of the main reasons that we are speaking. So obviously it's getting his game back. And um, if I'll let you say the premise of, of your own book, please. Uh, the elevator pitch. Tell my lovely audience sort of what your book is about, uh, and then we'll go from there. Well, the book, um, let's see. How, how to describe? I should have a very nice uh, syncretic um uh, elevator pitch, but I'm actually horrible at both. That's fine. So, as rambly as you like. <laughs> uh it's the story of Khalil and Vanessa. And Khalil is a young man who uh owns uh three barbershops with his best friend Darius. And he is coming off of a difficult year where he has suffered from depression and um, a brush with uh, suicide. He's in therapy, but he hasn't told anybody about it because real men don't uh, don't go through um, depression and therapy. Uh, he's coming back to himself, though. He feels good. Uh, and this woman walks into his barbershop and knocks him on his ass. <laughs> and then we have Vanessa, who just needs to get her hair cut. Uh, she is definitely not looking for anything. She's doing great with her business. Her uh, Apparently, and I discovered this reading a review, apparently Vanessa is a multimillionaire. I had no idea. <laughs> That was in a review. Um, I learned that. Um, so apparently. Uh, but uh, Vanessa runs a um, uh, an app creation company. She makes apps. Uh, and she's also a uh, public speaker. Mm. She gives TED Talks. So she was getting ready to go, uh, getting ready for a trip to go give a TED Talk. And her normal salon had uh, had a fire. So she found Khalil's barber shop, needed to get a haircut. And uh, there's this guy. So the two of them end up doing a bit of a dance around one another, start to fall in love. But the problem is Khalil checks all of her boxes, except he's not black. So the story is about the two of them trying to figure this out. Um, and unfortunately, Khalil's depression starts to come back, and that throws a wrench in things. Mm. Tackling a lot of important subjects there, um, obviously some which are nowadays slightly more commonplace, but other elements that are not quite as commonplace as well. So in line with that, I'm, am I right to assume, and you can divulge as little uh, information about this as possible, or as much as you wish to divulge, um, but... I presume that certain elements from the book come from parallels of experience from your own life. Is that a safe assumption or am I completely out? Well, what's funny 
is that there were a lot of things that I had no intention of, uh, <laughs> no intention of even thinking about, mm. um, because uh, of the way that I grew up. Mm. Um, interracial relationships have always, actually, most of my relationships have been interracial. Mm. Um, so it hasn't really been something I thought too much about. Um, and I did not set out to work on a project about men's mental health. Hmm. What happened in terms of inspiration is that um, I was minding my own business one day um, and Khalil showed up and he would not shut up. And after a couple of days of him harassing me, actually probably a couple of weeks, about two weeks, um, I began to wonder what his deal was hmm. because he was so um, so insistent and so jovial and so energetic and so I'm doing great. I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm glad. But I was like, what is he hiding? Hmm. So that was how I kind of started to get to the depression aspect because I felt like he was hiding something. He was he was overdoing it because he didn't want something to be noticed. Hmm. Um, so I didn't, um, I didn't plan on Vanessa having as much of a problem with the fact that Khalil wasn't black at first. Like hmm. I didn't realize that that was going to be her hangout. Uh, and um, Khalil, because as I said before, this is actually the second manuscript of manuscript I've written. Mm -hmm. And Khalil showed up in the first manuscript that I wrote. Mm. So I didn't, um, like I, I, I knew of him, but in reference to his brother, I, I, he, he wasn't kind of a main character mm. in my, in my mind. And, and he was much more, kind of much more confident and much more in control mm. um, in my mind. He, he wasn't somebody who had a problem or who had, um, who had things to worry about. So it, it took a little doing to, to, um, to understand what was going on with him. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And so how with, obviously with that idea in mind, how do you explore a character that you have created? How, how does that kind of process work? Part of it looks a little weird because there is a lot of talking out loud. <laughs> there's, there's, um, and talking out loud to the character sometimes. <laughs> um, one thing I do, um, is maybe, I guess maybe, um, some authors might call it a, a, a character interview. Hmm. Or they maybe, I know some people use um, uh, an actual piece of paper where they have questions that they already have written down and they try to answer those questions. I, and this is, this is going to sound maybe, well, I do this even with when I'm teaching because I also, you know, teach, um, teach adults English. Um, uh, it's advice I give them when they're working on, if they're doing listening comprehension. I tell them to watch like the BBC or uh, France 24, which is a French, um, French 24 hour news 
channel, they have it in English, to do something with their hands while they're listening. So I'll to try and kind of get the brain to work in a different way. I'll do the same thing. So I like I'll fold laundry or if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm doing something manual, I'll do the sort of character interview out loud. Mm. Um, just to get my brain working on it in a different way. So I'll ask questions. Um, uh, I'll, you know, think of things. Um, what doesn't make sense? Literally, like um, Vanessa, Vanessa is very short. On the cover of the book, it's not. She's a little bit, in my opinion, she's a little bit taller than I would have liked on the cover of the book, but that's okay. Vanessa is very short. Um, I think about, okay, how would it even look when she sits down in the barbershop chair? Hmm. How does their conversation work if she's looking at his reflection in the mirror while he's behind her and he's cutting her hair? Hmm. Um, you know, what does it mean if they're walking together somewhere? The height difference. Um, how is that going to change her attitude about something? Like there's, there's several points in the book where there's a conversation about that and about her height or something. And I was working all that out, out loud. So any, I do a lot of talking out loud. It just works for me. Hmm. I mean, that, there's no better way of getting to know someone really than speaking to them. So if you, if you've got a uh, control in essence, the mind of the other person that you're speaking with, and you can ask any question you want and kind of unravel their own responses. So it's a perfectly, although in isolation, talking to yourself as several different characters might seem a bit peculiar when it comes <laughs> to writing and developing characters. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned with your um, first manuscript, um, the, the character, Kind of, you know, is in both basically, but now the first manuscript is going to be your next released book. Um, mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, and it's called Not the Plan. If that's still is that the book name? Yeah, right. perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'll make sure I link to your website and whatnot in the in the show notes and things, so people will be able to uh, find out more information about those things. But are you planning on uh, making like a a shared universe of romance novels or is it just for now it's just there happens to be a common thread that's not specifically something you're aiming for i'm just intrigued by that sort of element of things because i know a variety of writers some of which they go they write 20 books and every book has got one character that kind of goes through all of them other writers every book's completely its own thing i was just intrigued if you've thought about the future of your uh, writing, even though you've already got a book that only just came out and you've already got one planned. So I'm jumping ahead of the gun quite a lot, but just out of intrigue. Well, um, part of that <laughs> will depend on my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> if all goes to plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so what I currently have right now, we're working, we're in the middle of the two book deal, but there are, Five brothers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I did that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember what decision, why, how I came up with five, because the, the, not the plan. Um, I started the, the, I had the very first ideas for it in 2008. Um, and, I I worked on it. I drafted it in 2000, like really fully sat down and drafted it in 2017 in the pitch wars contest. And I don't, I don't know why I came up with five of them. So 
they're twins. The the two brothers in the in these two books are twins. And what my editor asked me to do, and I had already kind of done it, and not the plan. There's a reference to another brother in the beginning, mm. but not he is not named, but mm. it's just a reference to the oldest one. Uh, and then my editor asked me to say something about to put a scene in with another brother or with one of the brothers who's not one of the twins mm. um, in not the plan. And oh no, actually, I take that back because he's already in getting his game back. The oldest one is already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a scene with him in getting his game back. And so my editor said, can he appear also in not the plan? And I said, actually he does, but he's not named. Mm. Um, but she said, well, can you put another scene with him in? Because he's kind of funny because he, <laughs> he, he doesn't, he's this kind of um, grouchy, but not me. He doesn't like to talk. Mm. And so she's like, put a scene with him. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't like to talk. That'll be, <laughs> um, but I'll do my best. So I put a scene with him in and my agent was like, don't you know what that is? He has me. She wants him to appear. That could be a good sign for a possible another deal that could, he could have his own book. So I'm like, ha ha. Yes. <laughs> so fingers crossed. <laughs> mm. And so I will, I will share a secret with your audience. Oh, thank you. But they have to keep it to themselves. (laughs) Um, I am currently working on um, an outline for a manuscript for this brother. Mm. Um, Which actually I'm enjoying precisely because he is a grouchy pants. Mm. And it is a challenge to... um, Actually, it's funny to um, have this um, grouchy guy who does not like to use words try to communicate because he pretty much likes to grunt. (laughs) So uh, I have to get him to communicate (laughs) and be a romantic lead by grunting. I see. I mean, there are there are certain uh, leading men who are like that. I think the main one that comes to mind is uh, Geralt of Rivia from uh, The Witcher. I think that's the first one I think of. But um, that's quite a quite a nerdy show and things that I do love. Um, but I mean, nicknamed the Brotherverse. So I don't know. That's just what I thought of your your links of books is just the Brotherverse. Even if, even if no more feature the brothers, that's just how I'm gonna in my own head canon of this. Um, I, I did want to ask, um, and this is a question which obviously, coming from, uh, I am obviously a white British man who's a millennial, uh, and you are a person of colour, um, you are a, a black woman, I don't want to cause any offence by miss, uh, I don't even know what the, the term would be, but obviously asking a question like this, I never want to cause any listener or any guest any offence. So with the theme in your book about a black woman being with a white man and that being a consideration. I know that you said for your own uh, past, you've had multiple interracial relationships. As far as you are willing to divulge and as far as you know, I know you're not the spokesperson for every person of color in the world, but is it quite a common question or quite a common subject of thought 
when a person of color dates someone who is white is that from your experience or as much you're willing to tell me and the audience is that something that is actually quite a common thing they speak about because obviously as a white individual these conversations don't happen around me i think it depends um Mm. it depends on how uh what their situation was uh growing up um and for example, I um when I went off to college, my I said I went to Florida State, but my first year I went to a historically black um, university. Mm. And my my boyfriend at the time was white. And my uh, my dorm mates were were so confused, well confused, but they were really worried about what my parents thought. And I said, Well, my parents couldn't say or think anything because that's who they had me around my whole life. Mm. Um, and then they were, they asked me all sorts of questions like about if my boyfriend asked me questions, mm. um, what sort of questions he asked me. Um, but then a lot of, I had questions for them because they, they, um, they said that they just weren't ever used to being around white people at all. So, and I didn't understand that. I couldn't understand that as a, as a life concept. They said that they needed to get jobs in the mall because they needed to start getting used to being around white people. So we were all coming from these different experiences. So I think a lot of what happens to Vanessa in in the book a lot of that was also I had to tap into experiences of my black friends hmm. but then you know the the concept of being othered um there are certain things that I experienced with my husband that he he just didn't know he experiences you know surprises for for him being with me <laughs> jokes about um when he began to see how much little small experiences of racism i i would have all the time hmm. um little microaggressions i would have or even things <laughs> things i wouldn't see um walking down the street if i were walking just a little bit ahead of him and we would walk there would be um african women mm-hmm. Um, walking towards us, I might be looking slightly the other way and they would look at me and give me a dirty look, looking me up and down and he would see it, but I wouldn't. Mm. It would be because of the way I was dressed. I was dressed too Western. Mm. Um, but here in Paris, because it's such, you know, such an immigrant uh, cosmopolitan city. Mm. Um, and several times he would say something to me about it. He'd be like, you didn't see how they were looking at you. And I was like, what? No, I, because for those women frequently, they would assume that I was a recent immigrant too, and I was trying to assimilate too much. Mm. Um, so it's just, um, or the hilarious double take or triple take we got right after our daughter was born and she would, would be in the, in the stroller and we would be walking through the market in the, in the street in front of our apartment and people would, would look at, look at her, look at me. Look at him. Look at her. <laughs> because him being very 
very redheaded and very pale, and me and our daughter, and you would see them doing the math <laughs> to to say, oh, that's A plus B equals C. Okay, that's what that makes. Hmm. Or you know, people would assume that I was the nanny when they would when they would see see um see uh, her. Or there was the time that our our neighbor uh, in our apartment in our old apartment uh, stopped my husband one day. An older man stopped my husband one day to give him his condolences on the death of his wife, so young after the birth of our da- of his daughter. Oh my God! <laughs> Jeez, which is very strange because we had moved into the apartment and I was pregnant. <laughs> Granted, it was just just before our daughter was born. Hmm. So, but I was pregnant. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. How the how the math math in the old man's head, but. So he, he, he stopped my husband. And so my husband came in. I was in the shower. My husband came in and he said, are you dead, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't think so. <laughs> but maybe you should check. <laughs> so, so all sorts of things. But it's been, it's been a wild ride. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing those uh, elements with both myself and uh, my listener. Um, I'm glad that, you know, a lot of them you can still find humor in because you know uh, that's one of the things laugh through the pain in some ways that's what british people do quite a lot with many of our elements of our existence um but i do appreciate you giving sort of that element of perspective and things and i yeah especially sharing to me and my audience is just very much appreciated and so with that we're coming near the end here because we're running out of time um but i wanted to ask sort of linking in with your book and things what what made you start the book? Like when you when you moved to France and when you decided, you know, I'm going to live in France, the quality of life is so much better, X, Y, Z. Did you, at that point, were you like, oh, the quality, of life, the quality of life is better and also I could have time to write my book? Is that something you've always kind of wanted to do? Is there something that sort of sprang into action? I know that um, getting his game, sorry, getting, yeah, getting his game back was your technically f- second written manuscript even though it's your first released book but that first book which is now going to be your second book that the whole writing process of these what what started that has it always been a thing or did something jump start it in particular i'm I'm intrigued well i always wanted to write uh, a book Mm. actually there were three things i always wanted to do live in france get my master's and write a book Mm. always wanted to do those three things um, but I always felt like um, I couldn't write because it wasn't in this, you know, total American capitalist. Uh, anything you do must be earning money right now. Mm. Um, I always felt like uh, I couldn't write. Like writing wasn't a good thing to do because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an income generating stream right this minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it was my husband who kind of was like, put up or shut up. Um, <laughs> You, you need to write. And, and then I would read things that I'm like, I, I can do better than this. <laughs> um, and uh, finally, I just did. And um, and it was horrible. And I still I have good friends who read my horrible mess. 
And actually, I even thanked one in, <laughs> in the back of getting his game back for not divorcing me as a friend because I made her read my garbage. Um, and um, uh, it's just something that I absolutely needed to do. And um, yes, now I, 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 um, now I have to continue doing it. So now it's, it's, um, it's a vocation. Mm. Yes. The driving force you've got, You've done. You've now. You've had the book released. Obviously, as we're speaking, it's um, it's just been. Has it just been released, or is it very yes. soon to be? Yep. Last week. Last per- week. Perfect. Yeah, I thought it was very soon to this. So when this comes out, it would have been a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'll put a specific uh, mention in the show notes and things of when the date, and then you know, in a year or so's time, then you get the next one, and then by then you'll have written all five of the Brotherverse, and you'll be <laughs> set for life, and there'll be Netflix series coming at you, and in ten years' time, people will be like. The Brotherverse. I remember on Genuine <laughs> Chit Chat when this was first, <laughs> the term was coined. <laughs> it's amazing that from a young age, you've just basically, you you had maybe not, calling it a vision is maybe almost too clear, but you just had this feeling, this pull, this this kind of desire to do those three things. And you smashed it. I know you've done it. And, you know, you seem very happy living in France, just across the other pond uh, to me. And obviously, you've got, I'm sure, a wonderful family and things. And, you know, you've managed to get two books, uh, which will be obviously the second being published next year. So you've absolutely smashed it out of the park with all, all of these things. So I didn't know if there's any sort of final things you wanted to say uh, to the listeners or anything like that, just to kind of uh, round off this conversation. Buy my book. you know what you don't have to buy it um it's in libraries um or or you can also buy the audiobook which is narrated by my very very dear friend jonathan horvath you can you can buy the audiobook Mm. or um can you borrow audiobooks you can yeah there's things like hoopla which are um it's, it's an app in america you can uh it's basically a library app i really recommend it. it's brilliant um but you can you can hire both books and audiobooks on that so okay. you can okay. go do that you can, can do that you can do that That's but perfect. i was very excited i saw yesterday that uh, my my book is in libraries and i don't know why but that just tickled me to death i don't know why um, library I, I i understood bookstores like that of course had occurred to me but it had not occurred to me that it would be in libraries which why would i have made why was there that disconnect in my mind i have no idea <laughs> but i got very excited because it was in libraries and it was already reserved apparently in a lot of libraries so um that made me thrilled so you can buy the book you can borrow the book you can buy the audiobook you can borrow the audiobook so please go do that uh because i need the little orange flag on amazon that's extremely important mm, amazing. Or, or you can bump it up to be a new york times bestseller also that is perfectly fine i will accept it wonderful oh we hope i hope my audience can help you in some way of doing that i know there's a couple of um of bookworms that listen to the show that whenever i have an author on they always message me and go picked up this person's book so i'm hope i'm i'm not going to call it any names just in case because i don't want to pressure them into it but they know who they are you know pick up gia's book it's going to be amazing i'm i'm certain of it and just the the stories we've heard from you alone mixed with you know 
the content of the book as well and the brother verse that's coming there's no reason <laughs> to not check out the books you know you've, you've got to do it you've heard you've heard from Gia you've you know fell in love with her as an author so now you can fall in love with the characters that she has created and that she has conversations with while folding up <laughs> her laundry and things um <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add or anywhere people can find you as i said i'll put links in the show notes but i didn't know if you want to say your website social media final words and then i'll end the call well now i've got to you know, to polish up my website I'll, I'll take care of that but you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, I'm getting better at that every day, mm. and um, gotta gotta polish up the TikTok too. Mm. I mean, I don't even have TikTok, so <laughs> you'll be ahead of me. I'm still, you know, I'm not, I'm not that old and I'm not that young, but I'm looking at TikTok. I'm like, lots of people delving in. I don't really want to. I kind of feel like a, you know, trepidatious cat about to go outside. I'm kind of standing at the door, and I'm like. Do I want to go in or not? I don't know. That's how I feel about TikTok. But thank you so much, Ajia. It's just been delightful getting to know you and speaking with you. I'm going to pressure all of my friends off air to buy your book, get you to the New York Times bestseller list and get the brother verse made because that's what we need. And just thank you for being so honest and open with me on this conversation and uh, having a laugh. It's been genuinely delightful. And when your next book comes out, uh, you are an open invitation. You can come back on the show and promote it if you so desire as well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> No problem at all. So this is where I will stop recording. Thanks again. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Make sure you check out Gia's website. As I said in the intro, it is in the description. Check out her new book, support her on social media, and contact her and tell her how much fun you had listening to her on this show, because it means a lot to me. So what have we got coming up then? Well, I have got a podcast due for recording next week with Spider-Dan from Spider-Dan and the Secret Boars. Uh, we're just going to talk about his life a little bit. We're going to talk about his acting, his podcasting, and it's just going to be a big old nerdy conversation, but I'll have more information on that. Well, next time you hear from me is going to be in the intro to that episode, so that's when you'll hear about it. And on the coattails of that, myself, Spider-Dan, and Rhea Carrigan have all got an idea that we're going to be uh, doing over... a over the next couple months or so it's probably going to be the first episode of recording in March I imagine where we're going to watch like Disney films and things and compare them to other stuff first of all it's going to be more of a optimistic sort of happier one uh, where each of us the three of us plus Megan are going to choose a film that we really like uh, that's an animated Disney film and we're just going to compare them and talk about them so it's going to be quite a nice light-hearted film discussion with I'm sure many of strong opinions and things and general hilarity that we always get with Megan Rhea and Spider-Dan so that's what you can expect from there as well some of the other guests I have got lined up I can't fully talk about at the moment because as I say usually I don't like to say about guests unless they're returning guests or I've worked with them before uh, just in case things fall through because that does occasionally happen so uh Got a few things in the pipeline that are very interesting. Got some more authors, got some musicians, got a few other bits and pieces of people involved in stuff. So I'm quite excited to release those things after I have recorded them. But aside from that, guys, how can you help out the show? Well, the easiest and probably cheapest way to do it is to either go on Spotify and give us a rating out of five stars or to go on any podcast app that you listen to this and give us a review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Good Pods. You can do it on Podcast Addict. Any of those ways that you can rate a show and review it and share it with friends and things, that would be ideal. Obviously, Apple Podcasts, you can't share with friends and stuff. But um, if you could just write a review, it would really, really help out the show. 
If you can't do that, then yeah, just share with your friends on social media and talk to your friends as well about Genuine Chit Chat. But I do have a YouTube channel where all of my conversations are in playlists. Uh, they are split into genres and stuff. Some of the conversations have got video in them. This one specifically doesn't, but you know, normally the video is determined either by the quality of the video, the necessity for it, and also often the guest's own preference. So it can be a wide variety of reasons why I don't always release a video on these things, but there's plenty of video. There's even a playlist called Conversations with Video, and then there's also plenty of other cool things there as well. I also upload my Star Wars comics and canon episodes on there, which also include spoiler-free Star Wars book reviews, uh, as well as loads of other things. So if you're a big Star Wars fan, you can check out all my episodes of Star Wars comics and canon there. Even if you've never read a Star Wars comic in your life, I've specifically designed the show. So if you've never read a comic or if you've read all the comics, there's still something to get from them because I go through the plot details and the connections and things. Um, we just have a good time. It's uh, one of my other passions is Star Wars. Um, but in addition to those ways of helping out the show, please subscribe on YouTube because once I get to 100 subscribers, I can then change my channel link name to like slash genuine chit chat, which is what I've been wanting to do for a little while. I'm slowly creeping up there. We're getting closer and closer. But if a few more of you could subscribe, it would mean the world to me. I know the majority of you don't actually listen on YouTube, but more the reason to because then you can subscribe on youtube and then it'll kind of tell you when my new episodes are out that you can then listen to on this podcast player so if you could do that for me that would be massively massively helpful the other way that can help out the show massively is if you become a supporter on patreon that's patreon.com slash genuine chits chat and for as little as one pound a month which is about one dollar fifty you get access to hours and hours of additional content that you can't find anywhere else so me and megan do afterthoughts so we watch movies or tv shows or other stuff and give our thoughts on those i've done a couple of comic reviews a couple of other book reviews on there as well some star wars book reviews are on there some legends some canon and they're ones that i do not release on the main feed of star wars comics in canon or on youtube or anything like that also me and megan we do spoiler free film reviews for new films like marvel stuff and also we do spoiler free reviews for series so we've recently done witcher series 2 and we did Shit's creek a little while ago and we're watching a few other things at the moment but we're also doing a tom hanks sort of marathon rewatch so megan had never seen big so we rewatched that the other day uh, we also have recorded a show for for not only Big, but also one for The Burbs, which is a very interesting film that I hadn't seen before. Uh, we watched Turner and Hooch last night, so we're going to record an afterthoughts on that a little bit later. And we've got some more things. I think we've got like Joe versus the Volcano, League of Their Own, obviously Forrest Gump, which is an absolutely incredible film. Basically going through the Tom Hanks back catalogue, and then we're recording our thoughts on it that normally last between 15 and 20 minutes, and we talk about those films. So if you want to support the show and keep the gears turning of me, you know, spending all my time editing and recording and contacting guests and trying to vet people and post on social media and do the artwork and all the show notes because obviously I do all of this myself if you could give a very small financial contribution of one pound a month then that means that you would get a huge amount of not only love from me but also as I said hours and hours of additional and exclusive content you get early access to genuine chat chat episodes over there so when I split them into part one and part two like I did last week you actually get access to part one and part two in one full unsplit conversation when part one drops on this feed and then when part two drops on this feed you get a bonus additional episode to the weekly episode you already get of the afterthoughts show that i do you get a link so you can put it in the podcast player of your choice or you can listen on the patreon app or on the desktop wherever you want to listen to the podcast you can do so with the link to the patreon exclusive feed and yeah i release something at least once a week on there often twice a week as well so there's loads and loads of stuff on there there's a whole back catalog of loads of movies and tv series and comics i've done and book reviews and loads of other stuff as well including when me and megan often go off on little road trips together to cider orchard or museums or other places we often then review sort of our thoughts in the car and a lot of listeners say they love hearing from megan a lot more well the best way to actually hear from megan is actually via patreon because that's where we record almost all of her appearances she does pop up here and there like she was 
on the recent Book of Boba Fett discussion show that's on the feed of Comics in Motion, but is also on my YouTube channel as well. So we did an episode every week uh, after Book of Boba Fett coming out, and we're going to do another one for Kenobi. And uh, they are on the feed of Comics in Motion's podcasting app, uh, so wherever you're listening to this, or they're on my YouTube channel. So no matter where you're listening, you will be able to find them if you want to check those out. But yeah, Megan's appeared on lots of different podcasts as little guest spots and things like that. But if you just want to hear mine and Megan's back and forth and how we interact, please consider checking out my Patreon. It would mean the absolute world to not only me, but also Megan. So I think I've basically plugged everything for the time being, my friends. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Gia. Make sure you share the love with her on social media and things and share this episode among friends and rate and review and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, if you could become a patron supporter, know it would mean the absolute world to me uh, because one pound a month, I know for certain people who are in difficult financial positions, that can be quite a lot of money. But for some of you who are listening who could afford just to lose one pound a month out of your pay, you would get access to hours and hours of additional content and it would just mean the absolute world to me. I've already got quite a few of you on there already but you know the more the merrier and the more we get the more extra stuff i'll be able to put on patreon and the more stuff i'll be able to invest and i'm thinking uh, we're going to be getting a house and hopefully a puppy soon so uh, when that all happens i'll undoubtedly be releasing certain stuff exclusively on patreon of the cuteness there uh, and maybe a tour of our house or something like that just to get a better understanding of me and also megan and our lives and things so i've already put a few tortoise photos and videos up on there as well of waquette a little tortoise but yeah we'll be able to share those things with you then but that's enough from me guys thank you as always for listening i appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the end with my rambly nonsense and i will speak to you guys next week with spider dan you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton